This is a journey into sound. Brought to you in living color on WTDR. I'm Tony Lepstein. It's the Magical Mystery Tour. Join us as we dive into the heart of things, exploring new ideas and new ways of seeing and being in this wondrous, crazy world we share together. Lying on your back in the grass, you can't see a thing except for the clear blue sky, a few cotton wool clouds, higher and higher in the great dome of the sky, filling it with stars. They sound quite mad, don't they? It's happening. I can feel it. How would you explain it? It's beautiful. God, it's God. I see God. How do you like that? Why, it's preposterous. Thank you very much. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. Good luck. We care about your world. My guest is Sarah Fancy. She's the founder and owner of the Silver Horse Retreat, where she facilitates and teaches horse constellation therapy and shamanic healing with horses. So before we get into your horse-assisted healing work, how did you specifically get into horse constellation therapy and shamanic healing with horses? First of all, I want to say thanks for interviewing me, and it's a pleasure to talk to you, Tonio. And how I got into the constellation work was I basically studied family constellations, with my teacher, Francesca Mason Boring. And before that, I had been involved with family constellation work. I used to put groups together and I would bring in facilitators. And I did that for several years because I just thought the work was so incredible and I wanted all my friends to experience it. And I was just really fascinated by the work and then someone suggested I take the training with Francesca. And at that time, I was working with horses. I was working at an equine therapy ranch in Topanga, California, which is where I was living at the time. And the training with Francesca was for a year. And then when I graduated, my friend suggested, like, why don't you try it with your horses? And I said, okay, let's try it. And we did, and it was incredible. And it seemed like a really good match because my horses were all rescues and they weren't like riding horses and things like that. And it's very low stress on the horse, like not asking a lot from them and they can show up if they want and they don't have to do anything, you know. It's all on their terms and there's no bribery involved or anything like that. And so it meant that the older horses that I had and the horses that didn't really know how to do really anything else, 
could really show up for this work if they wanted to, you know, and it was really profound. So that was like instantly like, okay, I'm going to do this with the horses from now on because I prefer to be outside. I also want to hang out with my horses as well as much as I can. And so from 2008 onwards, I've been doing the horse constellations. In that family constellation work that I learned, we also learned nature constellations, which is where you do constellations outdoors, basically in nature. So that sort of encompasses horses as well. But I call it horse constellations. And there's people in Europe that do horse constellations. I think there's someone in Africa doing it. So I'm not the only one. But it's a different type of equine therapy. It's not your traditional equine therapy in that it's, specifically around the constellation work. What else did you ask me, Tonya? I also asked about the shamanic healing aspect of this. So when I started this job at an equine therapy ranch in Topanga, this was like in 2002, I think I started working there. And it was my first exposure really to horses on an everyday basis and my job was to muck out and to feed the horses and then I ended up like running that place after about three months. I ran all the programs and took care of the horses and I taught there and I facilitated there. And the horses that were there were basically donated and they had a lot of problems. You know, because people were just basically giving the horses that they didn't want anymore, you know. So for whatever reason, like they were injured or they had behavioral issues or whatever. So the horses there had a lot of problems. And at that time, I I was at the end of my training in the polarity healing arts which I did on and off for about five years. And I also learned cranial sacral unwinding. And in that course, I met a woman called Lisa Chan, and she's an acupuncturist as well, and she does a lot of shamanic work. And when we were in a three-week intensive in Switzerland, a lot of people were going through an intense process, and she was doing soul retrievals. And she asked me to come and like play the drum, and that was my experience of someone going into a journey and then what comes out of that and it was really incredible for me to witness because I knew what was going on with people like from working with them in class and I was like wow how did you know that you know and all that and anyway so she offered to come and do soul retrievals for the horses at the ranch that I was at because she felt that it could help them So she would come and do soul retrievals for the horses. And then finally she said, look, I'm just going to teach you how to do this. And then you can do soul retrievals for them or the dogs or, you know, whoever you want to do them for. So she basically taught me, you know, how to journey, how to do soul retrievals. And with that knowledge, I integrated it into the work that I do. So basically... Everything I've sort of learned in the past, I've integrated it into my work with the horses. And so when I do, like, retreats here, I have a three-day horse shamanic retreat. We start off with a journey, 
and then we go into the horse constellations. So it's kind of separate from the constellation work, even though the constellation work feels really shamanic because it's working with unseen energies and the way that the animals interact, the wild animals and the elements. And, you know, there's a phenomenological aspect to the work, which obviously you can't explain it, which feels shamanic to me, you know. So I guess that's how it all came together. Does that answer the question? Yeah, that's a great start. And it opens up some wonderful uh, avenues to pursue. I'm really curious about the soul retrieval work that you were doing directly with those horses initially. Yeah. And how that worked and also how it changed the way you saw and related two horses after that yeah well i have a couple of stories actually love stories (laughs) (laughs) when i was working at the non-profit equine therapy ranch there was a horse there called jj and he was really not very friendly he didn't want anything to do with people and he had won lots of ribbons he was like a I don't know, he was in a lot of competitions, Western riding or something. I can't even remember, but he had got injured, so he was no longer, you know, wanted. He wasn't like a pet or a family member. He was just like this horse that was going to win ribbons. And he was really stunning. He, He was an Appaloosa. He had spots. He was a really beautiful horse. But he was just really grumpy, and, you know, he just had enough of people, I think. Anyway, he had some health issues too, and Lisa did a soul retrieval for him. And at that time, I was learning animal communication. I was playing around with that. And because I saw JJ on an everyday basis, like three times a day or whatever, one, one of the exercises in the animal communication was, you know, in the morning, just say hi, you know, to the horse. How are you doing? Or something like that. Like you would talk to a person and then just wait for the answer. So I go down to feed the horses and I say, hi, JJ, how are you doing? And he, he kind of gave me this horrible look. And it wasn't until I passed him again that the answer hit me. And it's like, you know, don't bother me when I'm eating or something like that. <laughs> and then another thing in the animal communication was like, ask them what their favorite food is. So I said, oh, JJ, what's your favorite food? And I got a very distinct answer, and it was red apples. I was like, okay, you know, they have to be red, not the green ones. And then I think soon after that, Lisa came and did a journey for JJ. And she was, we weren't in front of him. She was up by my house, and she had a little rattle. And she was speaking out loud what was happening. And she said, I'm in the upper world, and there's red apples everywhere. Everywhere I look, there's red apples. And I just thought, like, oh, wow, (laughs) there's the red apples, you know. So that made me realize that there's a connection and we can communicate and they do communicate. You just have to listen. And, yeah, so Lisa did the soul retrieval for him. And sometimes in the journeys, 
it's like a metaphor. And she saw him as one of those horses on the roundabouts, you know, where they go up and down on the merry-go-round. And that he, his heart was broken. And she put together a new heart. I mean, use your imagination. It could be fairies helping you. You should have helper spirits there. And basically, she constructed a new heart for him. But I did see a difference in him after that. He did get warmer, you know, a little less grumpy. Anyway, so fast forward to about three years ago, I was teaching someone the shamanic work online, and we got to the soul retrieval part, and I said, you know, I'm going to do a demo, and I think I'm going to do it on one of my horses that needs help with something. And I have a horse called Corazon. She's a Mustang. And I have a horse called Diva, who's a huge black Percheron. She's a draft horse. And they were like best buddies, but they were having issues and they were fighting. And they would like basically put their butts together and start kicking each other. And they just relentless, like they don't stop. And I broke up a couple of fights and I just thought, oh God, I don't really want to separate them. But it was looking like that because I just integrated Corazon, the Mustang, into the herd. And I didn't really want to separate her again. But I decided to do the soul retrieval for Corazon. And the way that I did it with my student was I talk out loud, like Lisa did it. Like So basically, you have a rattle or a rhythm, a drum or a rattle, and you speak out loud what's happening. And you're doing it in a journey. And you usually go to the upper world and you meet with your spiritual teacher in the upper world. And then you say to them, I'm here to do a soul retrieval for Corazon to return the parts of her soul that she needs right now in order for her to be at peace in the herd or something like that, as an example. And then my spiritual teacher will guide me somehow or he'll show me a vision and then I say what that is. So what happened was I saw this vision of Corazon being rounded up. So like Mustangs are rounded up. Do you know about that, Tonya? About the Mustangs um, on the BLM land? I've heard some of the history of that. Yeah. Yeah. So so basically they cull the herd, right? Yeah. They use helicopters. It's pretty horrible, actually. But they use helicopters to scare them and to make them run. And they funnel them into an enclosure. And they put all the horses in there together. And these horses have formulated their families. They're called bands, which they do organically, you know. And now suddenly they're shoved all together in a cramped space. And when they run, you know, some die of exhaustion. And she was really young when she got rounded up. I think she was about six months old. But there was an image I saw of her just exhausted on the ground. And she'd been separated from her band, like her family. And she was just giving up, you know. And in the vision, all her ancestors came and they made a circle around her and they started connecting to her heart. And they said, you know, whenever you need us, you can call us. And it's like the drumbeat, except we're playing on the earth. The earth's skin is like the drum and you'll hear us or something like that. It was something to do with drumming and the horses running. And... In the vision, like, Corazon got up and she was feeling the connection to her ancestors because that's part of Corazon's trauma is being an orphan, 
you know, being separated from her family at a young age in a really horrible, traumatic way, you know. And what was happening in the herd is she was having trouble finding her place, right, because she was challenging Diva as far as rank, you know. That's why they fight, who's above who, kind of thing. And then after that journey, after that soul retrieval, they didn't fight anymore. And I was amazed, actually. (laughs) And I could leave her with Diva, and basically... Corazon back down. She didn't challenge Diva anymore. She accepted her place in the herd. And they've been fine ever since. That's such a beautiful, beautiful story. And so beautiful that you can do that kind of work with horses and receive that kind of information interspecies. Yeah. And it's not just horses, Tonya. You can do it for land. I did it here for the land here. And I've done it for cats and, yeah, obviously people. You can do it for people that have passed. Makes me wonder if people are doing this with the planet as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all, yeah. On your website, you say your mission is to support people in reclaiming the truth of who they are while in the presence of horses. Yeah. So how can horses help us to rediscover and reclaim the truth of who we are? Well, the way that I work with the horses is that when we do the constellation, we are in their area. So we go into the corral. And then when we start working, things seem to happen quite quickly. And I feel it's because of the energy that they hold and their frequency. And also, you know, being outdoors. And I've cultivated the space in the sense of I set up this space in a sacred way. You know, I respect the space. And I just feel that gives it potency as far as the work when we start working. And when you're in that place, it's really obvious when something's not true. Like, you can feel it in your body because it doesn't really feel like anything. But when there's a truth, your body will respond, whether it will go hot or tingly or you'll have all these sensations and then things start getting kind of surreal. The horses suddenly move over or come over because they're all, you know, connected to our energy when we go in there because they're herd animals, right? And they want to know, like, are we going to hurt them? Are we going to eat them? Are we safe for them? You know? And horses always see, like, safety in numbers. That's why they herd together, because they're prey animals. And when we're transparent, that means, like, when we're congruent, when we're not hiding anything or conflicted, they feel safe to be with us. And it's actually attractive to them and so when the truth starts happening and this could be you know the truth about someone that they've been denying you know it could be a family member parents that they've denied or grandparents or their culture they've denied whatever way when they come into alignment of that and accept it that's very 
attracted to the horses. They come over, and it just becomes palpable, I guess, if you want to call it love. <laughs> the love starts happening or flowing, and you can feel it, and it feels amazing. Talk more about that opening and flowing of the love. Where is that happening, and how are you seeing it? How are you recognizing it, and how are the people that you're working with experiencing it? And obviously, you're talking about the horses experiencing it and bringing that into it as well. Yeah, it's all through the body. You feel it in the body. So this type of work is somatic work, okay? Somatic healing, meaning it's through the body and through the feelings that you experience what's going on, you know? And in that, Tonio, it brings you to the present. And that's really important because... Healing can only really occur in the present, if you're present. And the questions I ask all the time is like, how does that feel in your body? What do you notice in your body? How are you feeling right now? How does that feel to you? What's going on in your body? I notice that your hand is shaking. What's going on in your hand? You know, I always bring it to the body. So many people are out of their body, they're in their heads, or they're thinking about the past, or they're attached to something in the past or some idea they're attached to, that they're missing everything that's going on. And, you know, you're never going to get past that until you get present. And that's the space that I'm talking about. Because horses are like that all the time. Horses are not thinking about the past all the time. They're aware of the sounds, the sensations, the sun, the wind, the rain. They're aware of the flies, food, you know, other horses around them, they're aware of other animals, birds. And plus that, like, they're aware of things that I think that we have no idea about. So it sounds like coming into presence opens a portal, in a sense, that allows in what is needed. Yeah, or allows out what needs to come. Right, exactly. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd say that it's like a portal, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because through that portal, you know, you have access to the past and you have access to the future, but you have to be in the present to get there. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love that you added that through that portal, you can release things or things can exit. Exactly. Yeah. And that's primarily what happens because mm-hmm. usually there's an attachment to something. Say like someone comes and they're having terrible problems in their life let's say they're really depressed about something or they've had a breakup or something. And then I find out that, you know, they haven't talked to their parents for like 20 years or they haven't talked to their father for 30 years, you know, or they don't even know if he's alive, right? And why do they not talk to their father? Well, he did this. He's a narcissist. I hear that all the time. He's a narcissist or my mother's a narcissist or she's psychotic or she's, an alcoholic or, or this or that. But they're holding on to this idea about them and forgetting that we get our life from them. Like, we exist because of our parents and our grandparents and our ancestors. We exist because of them. If they didn't exist, we wouldn't exist. So when you deny them, you deny yourself because we came from them, right? 
and you're running really low. You're running on low energy because you're not getting resourced from that flow of energy which comes through the mother line and the father line. So the work is really like opening up those channels and releasing the idea that, you know, or justification that your parents are bad, you know, and, and I'm not defending parents. I mean, sometimes parents are terrible and abusive or whatever, but if, if you can just get into the truth of what is and the truth being that, yes, this is my mother, this is my father, they gave me my life. If you can be in the truth of that, then you allow that flow to come in. And that's to do with that feeling of love that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. The flow of love that comes through the mother line, father line. And that's what you can feel it too. You can feel it when the person releases that idea. And, and it can be something like, well, my father was a womanizer. You know, <laughs> like, I'm just giving examples or he lied or something. And a lot of that is being caught up in the parents' business, like what went on with the parents. When you were a kid, stuff went down, and you got involved in that in some way. But now you're an adult, but you're still holding on to that, and it's not working for you because you've denied your parents. And now you're lost in your life. You're floating around. You go from one relationship to the next, one job to the next. You're constantly moving, constantly complaining about life. You know, and when we connect like that, everything reorganizes itself and things get better. It's a life changing process. It totally will change someone's life if they are open to that. You know, so that's a big release, a big release of holding on to some resentment or an idea. I mean, it's an illusion anyway. It's not even real. But holding on to that is just keeping them stuck, you know, and you see it in patterns reoccurring in their life where this person did this to me and the next person did that to me and it's the same thing just happening again and again and again, you know, and that's a big sign. If things keep happening, patterns happen like that in your life, then you could do a constellation and it would probably change it. And when we're caught, and stuck in things like rage and resentment and judgment, it prevents us from learning whatever lesson we can from that relationship, from, from let's say, the shadow aspect of that person and our connection with them. Yeah, and what is so amazing in the constellation work is that, you know, the ancestors want us to heal. They can't do it because they're not in physical, but we can, and we have their support. They show up, and they want us, to, they bless us, they want us to have a good life. I've never once done a session where the ancestors say, like, I'm damning you to hell, <laughs> whatever. It's not like that. It's like us. Like, we would want our descendants to do well. I think everybody would want that, to have a good life, even a better life than we had. We would want that for, for our descendants, whether it's our children or grandchildren or our nieces or our nephews, you know, and when you're in that frequency, all that anger and rage just dissipates, it just goes, and the horses really help to disperse that, to like transmute it, because it doesn't mean anything to them, 
they don't get caught up in those kind of petty arguments or, you know, and also around religion when someone's holding a lot of shame because they got divorced or they had an affair or they had an abortion and then they carry all the shame. That doesn't really resonate with the horses. They don't understand that. So that just can be released really easily. Horses understand community, love, you know, primal things. You know, not like religious constructs. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating because like when dysfunctional people hang around with other human beings, their crap tends to get reinforced, whether overtly or even silently, just because there's a resonance that's shared among humans. But with the horses, they don't they don't exist in that world. Exactly. They don't dwell yeah. in the past. Exactly. They don't buy into that stuff. So yeah. essentially, horses don't support us in our crap. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. And going back to when we do our own inner work of letting go of our rage and judgments of our parents or, or any ancestor... What I've discovered in my own life is that when I do that, when I actually let go of that or recognize that my mother or my father is just another human being dealing with the same kind of crap that we're all dealing with and they just had a harder time with it. And when we can make peace with that, it actually helps them as well. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. It absolutely does. Yeah, I experienced that with my mother, because I had a crazy mother. Yeah, it's like after a horse constellation, if we're working on family, there's a shift of perception around the situation, and people sometimes get texts from their family member that they haven't heard from in years during the constellation, or when they're leaving... They might get a text. That's happened a few times. Or like the next day, they've got a phone call or something like that. And, and it's like when we shift our perception around the relationship, the relationship changes. They seem to change, but it's because we change. Like you were talking about your mother when you came to that realization. Because everything has to happen on the inside for us, right? Mm-hmm. We can't make people change, but we can change the way that we think about things or feel about things, or we can change our beliefs. And then that reorganizes the energy around it. Mm -hmm. Right. It affects the feel that we all share. Exactly. Yeah. And as you, you said earlier, horses are very sensitive to energy and frequency and very present in that way and and they bring a different energy and frequency to the world yeah which can be a wonderful model for us so could you talk more about that and bring that into the constellation work which i actually know nothing about so i would love to find out more about okay all of that so first of all horses have huge hearts they're bigger than ours And the hearts extend out of their body, like much more than ours do. So there's an influence. And also 
their heartbeat recalibrates our heartbeat. So our heartbeats become the same, but we are influenced by their heartbeat. So their heartbeats don't change, ours do, in the presence of them. They call that entrainment. Yes, yes, exactly. And so everyone feels good around horses. Like, I think that's the big attraction to horses. Like, people call me and just say, like, you know, I'm so attracted to horses, or I just want to be around a horse. And these are people that don't spend time around horses, or they may have had a few experiences when they were a kid, but it stayed with them. And they want that. It's not about riding. You know, I don't have people... I rarely, rarely have people ask me about riding because I don't do that. It's not my thing. But I do have people saying, like, you know, I want to explore horses again. I want to smell them. I want to touch them. I want to see them. And so there's a strong attraction. And I really think it's because of how we feel when we are around horses, how they make us feel or how they influence us. And... Horses will always go towards balance, whether that's physical, emotional, mental, because they need to get along in the herd and they will always try to work it out. You know, I mean, they can get aggressive with each other, but on the most part, you know, like all my horses are in a herd. I only have five now, but they're all together. And when I introduce a new horse in, I may separate it, and then bring it close to the others across a fence, and then finally I put them in together. So I kind of work up to it. It takes a little time. But my goal is to have them together because they want to be together. They, Like I said, they like the safety of the numbers, and they want to touch each other. They want to rub on each other. They want to, you know, you see them, they want to groom each other. You see them do that. When they're isolated in little pens, they can't do that, and it's really against their nature. You know, but people do that because they don't want their horse getting hurt and they don't want it to get dirty or they want to monitor their food and stuff like that. You know, so I understand that, but it's really not healthy for a horse to be isolated like that. So they're looking for the balance, essentially. So when we're doing the work, you know, when someone's going in there, they're out of balance in some aspect of their life. The horses literally will push someone towards a place where it's more in balance, i.e. if they're, you know, denying their mom or they, you know, have this opinion about their mom and they're not allowing the love to come to them, the horse may push them towards the mother. I've seen that a few times. And it's not an aggressive push. It's more like a nudge. But I remember one session I did and the horse did it three times three times and the person didn't want to accept the mother or get past their anger or whatever it was and I said look three times the horse has done that now you know if you can't embrace your mother or like whatever you know like I'm not doing it but the horse is doing it you know you can't deny it you can't deny that and then it's up to the person if they want to you know but this person was very adamant that they didn't want to accept their parent for whatever reason. I can't remember what it was now. But, I mean, the horse literally did the same thing three times. And then I basically said, well, I don't know. What's the point of being here? You're not going to, like, accept what's happening. 
and surrender to that, you know. Or the horses will, like, block. Like, they'll show things. It's sort of like they'll show the energy of the system, of the family system. And they may come in and, like, stand between people. And then when something's said, they'll move away because they no longer have to hold that position. You know, so something moves, something changed. When there's a change, the horses respond to that. Or they'll just, like, stand with someone and they'll stand with them for ages. And it's kind of like a support or that person feels supported. And then they'll say, like, you know, what does that feel like to you? Does it remind you of anything? You know, and it could be, like, a guardian or it could be an ancestor. And you wanted to know about the family constellation work. Mm -hmm. So I talked about it a bit already. It's basically looking at the family like a system and who is missing in the system. If someone's been ostracized for some reason, like they went to prison or they died tragically or they were aborted or miscarried or they're gay or they married into a different religion or something like that or they left a religion. Like anyone who's been ousted, basically creates habit because now you have like an empty space but like that's going to be filled by someone else in the family usually usually it's in the family and as we know no one can replace anyone but you can't replace a father even if you have a stepfather or an adopted father it's still not your biological father and so in the constellation what we do is we bring in the missing ones essentially and the system comes into balance and then the energy flows better and things go better for the person. And the work, like we were talking about a little earlier, affects everybody. It affects everyone in the family system. It affects the people in the session because sometimes I have people that represent family members or places or emotions. They're called reps. If I'm working one-on-one, I'll use rocks or places in the sand. Like, I'll have them draw a circle in the sand, and that represents something. And then they'll stand in it, and then they'll feel it, be in the field of that energy. You know, and the horse might come over and join them in that circle or push them out of that circle. If they're getting pushed out of that circle, it tells you something that's probably something strange in there or, like, not very good for them, you know. I mean, the horses can be very specific. I had someone work and I created a circle and then we had all these things out the side of the circle as rocks that represented people. And the horse went and put her hoof right on one of the rocks and was really demonstrative, like just kept like hitting this rock. And that really was the person that we needed to deal with. You know, it's like the horse saying like, the energy is here. You know, this is what needs attention. I mean, there's some bizarre things that happen, and, and I'm saying it, it sounds like, oh, yeah, right. But when you experience it, it's kind of really profound and mind-blowing, and you can't deny it, you know. My horse, Silver, that I had, who's passed now, but he's the namesake. He was an Arabian. He died at 35 years old about a couple of years ago. He was really the beginning of all this for me, and... I was doing a very challenging session where we 
were honoring a grandmother who had committed suicide and because she had been ostracized from the family because she committed suicide, so there was a shame around that. We needed to bring her in. We needed to honor her, you know, and we did a ceremony for her and Silva was right next to us and as we're doing it, we're coming to a resolution or coming towards the end. He picked up a stick in his mouth. I don't even know where he got the stick. And he started drawing circles in the sand. And the client looked over and she said, he's drawing circles. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, almost like, oh, yeah, he does that every day. But he doesn't. But I wasn't really surprised. But it was very specific. And it was like he was saying, okay, we've completed. We've come full circle. So it's fascinating how, you know, this process of bringing in the missing person or the person who's been ostracized, you alluded to using representations for that person, but how, how do you bring that person back in? I'd love for you to go more deeply into that and flesh that out. Yeah. So I start with a client outside of the horse area. I have a shaded area and I do long sessions. Like my sessions are like three hours because I really feel like when someone comes here, they need to feel comfortable with me, feel comfortable with the place, you know, and I let people talk a lot, like as much as they need to. And I ask them their intention and they talk maybe for about an hour, you know, or 45 minutes before we even go in there. Could be longer. Sometimes it's like two hours. And then we might go in with the horses and then we're done in like 15 minutes sometimes or half an hour. So when they're telling me their intention, I'm really listening and I'm listening to them talk about whether it's their father or their mother or their child or the country that they left, because there's also this thing around place of origin, if you exclude that, because the place of origin is almost like another mother, because it was the place that you were born, and it's sort of part of you, right? So if you exclude that in some way, that can be retrieved as well, and be very, very helpful. But anyway, I'm listening to them, and I'm listening how they're talking about, you know, my mother's a narcissist, like I said, I hear that a lot that word and then I'm listening I'm like okay you know the mother's been denied they denied the mother they've ostracized the mother from their life and so I start getting an idea or a feel of who's missing you know but I don't make assumptions I'm just listening and then when we go in I might have someone if someone's there like represent the person and the actual client and then represent the mother or something like that. And then we look at how they interface. And it's kind of strange to explain, but when you are representing, you're actually in the field of that person, and you can walk like them or talk in the way that they would talk or experience pain that they had if they're dead, you know, or the pain that if they had lung cancer, you might feel like, congestion in the lungs or something and you don't have to know anything about that person nothing and if you can be in the present with your body and your feelings you can 
experience that, experience that person. So for someone watching that constellation, it's a very surreal experience. But we're kind of working on a soul level. Like, we're not working on personality level. And I just want to say, this is the work of Bert Hellinger. So originally, it was Bert Hellinger who brought this work forward. And he was German. He just passed a few years ago, but he was working right up to when he died, I think, in his 90s. Anyway, so this work comes through him. And so it becomes really clear in the constellation to me as a facilitator, like, who's missing. And so I could bring in that other person. Like, I could even do it myself. I, sometimes I go in the role and I can facilitate at the same time. Or we can bring in a rock, you know, an object. Or sometimes a horse will just come in at that moment. Or, like, with my big horse, Diva, the black one, I sort of see her as an elephant in the room sometimes. Like, she's showing something that's so obvious that no one's really considered it or missed it. One recent constellation, what came out was that this man knew that his brother had a different father, but his brother didn't know that his father was different from the father that raised him. And everyone was keeping that secret from him which is terrible. That's the ultimate betrayal, right, of not being told who your parents are or being lied to, being said, like, this is your dad when it's not your dad. And on a soul level, we know that, which is even worse because it's like, why would my parent want to lie to me, you know, or my sibling or whatever? So Diva had come in, and she was, like, right in the middle, and it was like she was representing the real father of this son. So things like that, like Diva might represent the secret in the family or the lie, you know. And I've seen that a lot where people are lied to about who their real parent is. So then what happens is that real parent has been denied or ostracized in some way. Do you understand that? Mm -hmm. That's another way that someone can be left out. So the work is about inclusion. It's the opposite of like most psychotherapy work or talking therapies where they tell you, yeah, your parents really bad. And this work is about like accepting them, even if they're an abuser or at least accepting the truth that this is your mother or this is your father and you came from them. It's fascinating how Horses are so tuned in to the truth of what is yes. in the yes. moment and intuitively know what's needed to create balance somehow. Yeah. Which yeah. we're capable of that too if we're yeah. really tuned in. But the way we're brought up in this culture, in our society, actually breeds the, the exact opposite. So, yeah, getting back to the horses. I was just going to say, you know, like, they're really sensitive to energy. And I feel like, I don't know, I sort of feel like they see our energy bodies and they see how it changes when there's a truth and that they respond instantly to that. You know, I could be working with someone and the horses are way over the other side and we get to a certain point and there's a breakthrough, meaning, like, this person has a shift or realizing how they've been holding on to something, an idea, right? 
And with that realization, their energy shifts and the horses respond instantly and they all come over. And it's like a validation, you know, that by releasing that, you're allowing new energy to come into your life. You know, you've dissolved a boundary that's been up in your life for a long, long time that's been keeping out the things that you want, like maybe a loving relationship or abundance or recognition in your career or something like that. That can be instantly removed and that's what I love about this work it's not something you do every week you know or every day like it's not like regular therapy where you go see a therapist every week you do one and you don't need to work on the same problem so I'm curious what do horses get out of their relationship with us with humans why will they stick around with us why will they help us Well, horses are really generous and they have a willing nature and they do try to get along. Like a lot of the problems that people have with horses is because they are creating the problem and they don't even realize it because horses, you know, they're much more aware than us. Their awareness is way, way more acute than our awareness. And my whole trajectory in life is to be more like a horse, you know, to notice everything the subtleties, the shifts, the the rhythms, you know, to be aware like they are. And so when you have someone who has an agenda, say, like, I'm going to get on this horse and we're going to trot, you know, in a certain way and then we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And it's like if the horse doesn't go along with that, then the horse is a bad horse or misbehaved and we're going to punish that horse, you know. But maybe that horse is trying to tell you something Like, I've got a sore back, or my hoof hurts, or my knee hurts, or I can't do that turn, you know, or I don't understand what you want me to do. And I think people just look at the horse, like, mechanically or something, and it's tragic to me. People don't even take the time to listen to their horse. And, you know, a lot of times horses, they don't want to do that, you know. Every horse is individual. And they have things that they are really good at or, or that they're not so good at or they really can't do, like us, you know. And the tragedy is that people will kick and kick and kick a horse with a spur on it till the horse bleeds. I saw a horse recently like that with scars on each side of its belly where he'd just been plowed into with spurs. And it's horrible what people do, you know. And then rarely will a horse get really aggressive until you just push them so much where they just snap and they just, like, will fight back, whether that's with a bite or a kick, you know. But generally, you know, they'll take a lot of abuse until they fight back or they'll just, like, go into a zombie mode. They'll just, like, leave their body and be like a zombie, like the horses that you go and ride on it in Mexico or anywhere, you know, where... They have trail horses. Like, those horses have been pulled and kicked by so many different people that don't have skills or beginners or don't even know how to balance on a horse, have no balance. And then, you know, first thing they do is, like, pull that horse's mouth, and that's very sensitive where that bit is. I don't use any of that stuff. I don't like bits. I don't like spurs. I don't like any of that stuff. I don't like horse racing. I think it's horrible. It's cruel. 
I don't like competition. I mean, that's me personally, you know. I end up with the horses that have come out of that, you know, that were injured or traumatized and were at the auction, you know, and getting ready to go to slaughter. And it's incredible what horses offer us, but we don't see it. We don't see what they have to offer us. And so that's what I feel like I do here is that people have that experience of what the horses really can offer, which is so much more than riding and, you know, galloping or whatever. I feel there's so much more that they have to offer us. And it can be life-changing. And to connect with a horse like that, to, to have a feeling that this horse is really supporting you right now in your emotion, in your emotional body, in your mental body, in your spiritual body, your physical body, this horse is like supporting you and you're not on its back. You know, you're on the ground and you're not trying to get something out of this horse. You're not trying to extract something from this horse, right? This horse is offering something to you. It's wisdom or its ability to help you raise your frequency and get out of this place that you're at where you're stuck or something. You know, where you're so limited in your vision of what you're experiencing or what you're seeing, the horse will help you expand. I mean, horses represent freedom and power. That's what they represent. So they offer that to us, freedom in our minds. It doesn't have to be, like, physical in our, in our mental body. And talk about the power aspect of it and talk more about the freedom and non-physical freedom. Okay, so there's the physical freedom of where a horse runs, right? Like wild horses will cover a lot of terrain in one day. It's something like 28 miles. I, I don't want to say for sure, but it's, it's a lot of mileage in one day if they're not contained, right? They're nomadic. They travel. Horses travel. So there's that aspect to them. But they're domesticated horses. They pretty much stay in the same place. But I feel like they travel on the astral plane. Like, my horse Silver definitely did that. Like, people would call me and say, like, I had this dream about a white horse, and then I saw your place, and I feel like I've got to come back. And to myself, I'm saying, oh, yeah, that's Silver. Like, pulling people in, you know? So that's sort of traveling, too. You know, traveling in the dream world connecting with horses in the dream world. I've had a lot of really powerful dreams of horses in the dream world. And so there's that aspect of the freedom. And what I'm talking about with mental freedom is that when we limit ourselves to ways of our life, like ways of doing things, or we complain about the job, you know, or that we have to do this, or we have to do it for a certain reason. But then when you really excavate that, is that really true? Is that really true that you have these obligations that we have? Is that really true? You know? And that's what I'm talking about when we find our true self, right? What are we here to do? Are we here to do this job that obviously we don't like, that we complain about? Are we, is that our purpose in life? Probably not. But do we have the courage to quit our job and do what we're really here to do, which is, you know, usually something that we're really attracted to, whether it's working with horses even, you know, or doing shamanic work or healing 
a lot of the people I work with, a healers, really, they just haven't allowed themselves to fully embrace that. And they want to, but they feel unworthy. That's my experience of people. And I'd say like 70% of people that come to me are like that, that they really are healers, but don't have the courage to cultivate that or pursue it for whatever reasons. You know, it could be because their parents won't approve or their community's going to laugh at them or they're in the church or they're a doctor or a nurse or a vet. And I'm not discrediting that, but the work that I do is very different. What I do is a lot more kind of creative and I kind of work with guidance as opposed to a written set of rules. But as far as the way that the work will go, I mean, sometimes it gets really theatrical. Sometimes we start singing, you know, or dancing, or we do a funeral for the victims in the family system. What I'm saying is it just shows itself in the moment. It's not planned you can't plan them. You never know how they're going to turn out or what's needed. But everything that's needed will show itself or reveal itself in some way. And that could be through the horses. It could be through the environment. It could be through the weather or birds or butterflies or the wind. Mm-hmm. Yes, beautiful. So talk about the power that horses bring and can teach us about and that they embody? Okay, so first of all, horses are really powerful. They're really strong. I mean, they're 1,000 pounds, typically. I've got a horse who's 2,000 pounds. You know, they could pummel us. They could trample us or, you know, they could knock us down so easily, right? A lot of people are intimidated by horses, but when you really understand horses and know them, like, you realize they're like birds. They scare really easy. You know, if you raise your hand, you can, like, suddenly you could spook a horse. That means you scare a horse, like, away from you. I mean, if horses are running at you, all you have to do is raise your hands, and they're not going to run into you. But you have to believe that, and it can be terrifying having a horse running at you. You know, but if you throw your hands up, that horse will not run you down. It won't. And so I feel like they help us own our own power, to realize how powerful we are. They can be a reflection for that. Who are we giving our power to? You know? Get it back. Bring our power back. I think they highlight those aspects of us. When you're with horses, when horse... Like, I do a horse dance in one of my three-day shamanic retreats the last day of the horse dance. I teach people how to engage a horse, how to have a horse follow you, come over to you, like mirror your movements. And this is all done without ropes. It's called at liberty when you work with horses like that. So when you have this relationship with a horse where they're in sync with you, willingly, they want to. Otherwise, they could just go away, you know, have nothing to do with you if they wanted to. But when you can engage a horse, that's a really powerful feeling to have. Especially for children. I used to work with children and and do that kind of thing with them. And that made the children feel so powerful that they can influence this huge animal and that the animal wants to engage with them. 
It's powerful for women, women who confuse power with rage and aggression, you know, because they've had trauma to do with abuse or violence and that they feel if they get in their power and they stop to a horse, that that means they're being angry or aggressive, but it's not. So it's a way to, like, clean that up, to be in your fire, right? To bring your fire up doesn't mean that you have to be in a rage. It can mean you can be assertive and commanding, and you do it through your body, and you don't use a lot of energy. It's just like, like what I teach with the horses is they notice everything. So if you move your finger, that could be a signal to them. They notice it. If you can engage them with them, if they're paying attention to you. And that's like, how do they pay attention to you? They pay attention to you when you're present. If you're thinking ahead or you're thinking about something that just happened, you lose them and they walk away from you. I have an example of that, a video of that. Like, at what point did you lose the horse? The horse is following you and then you look around, it's gone. At what point did the horse leave you? It was probably when you thought of something else, you left them mentally. And that is like with people too, right? You can tell when someone disengages from you. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating and beautiful. So how can people find out more about the work that you do? Through my website, thesilverhorseretreat.com. I do events and I do online teaching as well. And I actually am doing a family constellation online course coming up in September. That's an eight-month course. And then I have a five-day horse constellation training here in September where people can stay on site. My place is off-grid, and I love it here, but, you know, some people want more comfort. <laughs> it's like a camping situation, and, and when people are on site, you know, they can easily see the horses and hear them and things like that. And I think it's really great to be on site, you know. I think that people get a better experience when they can spend the night here. You can see the stars at night. There's no light pollution. It's very quiet. I picked this place because of all of those aspects. Like, I needed somewhere really private, really quiet, with no light pollution to do what I do. And that is visibly attractive so yeah so the events change a lot on my site like people can get on my email list i send out about one or two emails a month with videos i'm always making videos of the horses like we just had mayhe day i made a little video <laughs> we celebrate mayhe she's a spotted leopard appaloosa i got her three years ago and i pulled her from a feedlot in washington she was going to basically get slaughtered and be used as human consumption meat abroad. That's where a lot of horses go. Anyway, so it was a community effort. I had the space and the skills to work with a horse from a feedlot because you don't know anything about that horse's history, you know, or what kind of trauma they have or ailments or whatever. Anyway, it's three years now, and she's doing great. So every August, I do a 
day for her. Then we have an event with the Perseids media shower, and we have outdoor camping. Like you just bring a sleeping bag and you see the media shower, and then we do a sound bath, and then we have a great breakfast. And we had a really good time. There was only like four people, but it was so much fun. So I made a video of that. And yeah, with Mayhe, I raised money through the community and $2,800 in two days. I just put out a couple of posts and it was really great. So I'm very transparent with her. I want to show how she's doing and like what she's up to and she's doing really well. Yeah. And when you go to your website, there's this beautiful video happening when you open it up. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the kind rodeo so that's something that i still want to do it's basically an alternative rodeo so it's like revering horses dancing with horses and also like dancing in general kind of like karaoke except it's dancing Mm -hmm. (laughs) to music that you love but just like expressing yourself with freedom like that's another aspect of the freedom that horses offer us you know of like freedom of movement freedom of expression you know not worrying about what you look like or if your move is like weird or if you're not doing it correctly like just like children like expressing yourself like we lose that right as we get older Mm -hmm. so recapturing that and yeah no horses are harmed no women are harmed or exploited and we just celebrate horses and animals and it's the antithesis of rodeo we did one for silver and it was really great it was for his birthday that was his last birthday we did that and i got so sick of saying like i hate rodeo and i just thought i have to do opera stuff because there is no alternative and families go to rodeos and they see these ways that the horses are treated really cruelly and the cows are treated really cruelly. It's horrible. And little baby calves and children are exposed to that and they become numb to it. And I just feel there needs to be something else out there that's offered. Yeah, it's a beautiful alternative. Thank you. Yeah, it was very moving. Thanks. I'm glad you liked it. And I've so enjoyed talking with you. This has been a fascinating conversation. Thanks. Me too. Thanks, Tony, for the great questions. My guest has been Sarah Fancy. She's the founder and owner of the Silver Horse Retreat, where she facilitates and teaches horse constellation therapy and shamanic healing with horses. Sarah, thank you so, so much for being on the show. Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much, Dick. Thank you. And be well. Yes, you too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Here, 
a symphony of two mules, trains, and rain. The best is always yet to come. That's what they explained to me. Just do your thing. You'll be king if dogs run free.
magical mystery tour thank you so much for listening and until next time take good care of yourselves and each other